If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. It's December 8th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. Grab your maps because we are going to go around the world this morning with eight unique stops talking about news that is shaping America and the world. We start in North Carolina, where the Pentagon has unplugged some very important Chinese batteries that were powering Camp Lejeune. Second, we discuss spies in Beijing who were likely working for the U.S. government, but they were outed by Russia. Third, a possible war in the South American country of Guyana to talk about with our U.S. military planning to respond to any Venezuelan aggression. Fourth, more bacterial outbreaks to talk to you about, this time in Ukraine. We first discussed this actually back in June, but sadly, things have gotten worse. Fifth, Russia's president got a warm welcome in the Middle East over the past few days. We're going to talk about what that means. Next, anarchy is setting in to the south of the Gaza Strip this morning. We're going to talk about how that could affect U.S. military personnel in the region. Finally, we come back home for two updates this morning. One about agriculture in the Midwest and the other, some good news out of Wyoming. But first, let's get started in North Carolina. The Biden White House has reluctantly agreed to unplug some Chinese batteries that were installed at U.S. Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune last April. The battery packs, which were the state's largest actually, had been used by a solar farm on base. It was built by the Biden administration in an effort, they said, to stop climate change. In fact, when the batteries were installed last spring, a Marine Corps Brigadier General said at the time that, quote, sustainable clean energy falls in line with a more secure future that we are trying to create. We have got a lot to be proud of here today, end quote. Unfortunately, though, that is not how Congress saw it. A bipartisan group of senators led by Marco Rubio of Florida said that those battery systems were manufactured by the Chinese company CATL or Cattle. And those systems have computer parts that would allow Beijing to hack or otherwise disrupt battery operations and, naturally, operations on base. And that is why, since the spring, they have been pressuring the Biden White House, plus the Pentagon and Marine Corps leaders, to take these batteries offline. Well, now, many months later, the White House has relented. They instructed Duke Energy, the utility, to disconnect the battery packs, which they did yesterday. Officials at Duke, by the way, insisted that the batteries were never actually a threat, nor were they ever vulnerable to cyber attacks. The bipartisan group of senators, however, clearly disagreed. One final thing to tell you, it's unclear what will become of the solar farm on the base, and that is important because odds are the panels and the inverters associated with them are a threat as well. That's because they are also made in China and they pose additional counterintelligence risks too. So folks, no additional analysis on this today, just a, I think, a good news story. Although it is a bit of a head scratcher why the White House would have ever installed this stuff there in the first place, and honestly, why the Marine Corps would have ever agreed to it. But at any rate, 
Next up, and speaking of China, we are off to Beijing next this morning, where a growing number of political and military leaders there are disappearing or otherwise dying, with some probably killed because they were American spies. On Wednesday, Political Magazine reported on a series of disappearances and mysterious deaths that, well, actually a lot of media outlets have been reporting on throughout the fall and last summer. But this is the first time that I've seen it all put together and put together well. So here's what we know. The mysterious deaths and disappearances, they include people like a former prime minister, a former foreign minister, thousands of senior communist officials, and hundreds of military officers, including those responsible for China's strategic or nuclear programs. And while much of this has been reported, this next bit has not. Some of the deaths and some of the disappearances began only after a Russian deputy foreign minister flew to Beijing in June and he apparently delivered a message directly from Vladimir Putin to President Xi. And it was this. China has a spy problem with moles inside the Communist Party and Chinese military who are reporting to Western powers like the United States. Now, it is unclear as of this morning how Putin or his spy service learned of these likely American agents. It is possible that he has spies of his own at the Pentagon, the CIA, or the White House. It is also possible that the U.S. has, well, a compromised communication system, which the Russians have been able to hack. But no matter the reason, one thing certainly didn't help. On July 20th, the CIA director bragged publicly that his service had rebuilt their spy networks in China after being decimated in years gone by due to a counterintelligence problem. Well, days after that, Beijing announced that they would engage in, quote, countermeasures, end quote, to find these CIA spies. So those are the bare-bone facts and data this morning on this, frankly, spy mystery. Let me offer you my brief analysis and opinion. So I share this news with you because there is a lot of rumor going around right now in the U.S. intel community about this issue of missing or dead spies in China. And as you can imagine, the truth is deeply compartmented and incredibly worrying. For now, that's all I will say, but I'm going to bring you more later. Meanwhile, this little tidbit... Do you remember the arrest last Friday of a former U.S. diplomat who spied for Cuba? I briefed you on those details earlier this week. Now, it seems curious, doesn't it, that he got wrapped up or discovered only in the past year or so of all the years and times, because again, he was first starting to work with Cubans all the way back in 1981. Well, perhaps then there is a dangerous secret global game of spy versus spy happening right now. And that means then that these global networks of spies are being degraded as each individual network becomes compromised by somebody else. And with those degraded networks, ladies and gentlemen, that means that leaders in D.C., Beijing and Moscow will ultimately have less information to work with, of course, as they face profound matters of war and peace with each other. So let's keep that risk in mind. Let's also keep this in mind as we see perhaps otherwise healthy people suddenly disappearing or having accidents in, say, their pools or hot tubs. Interesting. With that, let's pivot this morning to our next update, this coming to us from the South American country of Guyana, where I've got a critical update. To refresh our memories, I spoke of this oil-rich country on Tuesday before last on November 28th. I shared with you the history of a, of a growing fight between little Guyana and Venezuela over who would control the tens of billions of dollars worth of oil and gold and a little area of Guyana known as Essequibo. Now, as you will recall, this fight between those two countries 
goes back all the way to the 19th century with allegations of cheating and Russian spies in the year 1899. But the fight is getting more pointed and dangerous this morning as Venezuela's Marxist president, Nicolas Maduro, is threatening to invade Guyana to get that piece of land back. Plus, he's rallying his people by drawing up new maps of his country that include that contested region as a part of Venezuela. Well, in response to all that, the Guyanese government said that they are planning for a Venezuelan invasion and they will defend themselves. All right, well, why should we care about that? Here we go. The Pentagon is backing up that promise, launching air operations yesterday with Guyana's rudimentary air force. The Pentagon is calling that routine, but clearly, given the circumstances, it's anything but. Meanwhile, Guyana's neighbors to the south, the country of Brazil, they have deployed their military to their shared border, and that's actually pretty important, and here's why. Looking at our maps, for the Venezuelans to invade and occupy this little area of Guyana, they would almost certainly need to go first through Brazilian territory because of the rough, inhospitable jungles of Essequibo. So that is why all eyes this morning are on the northern corridor of Brazil, just north of what is known as the Boa Vista area of Brazil. Analysts are also listening very carefully to the Brazilian president, Lula, and he this morning has made it very clear that he wants no war in his backyard, and he's willing to stop it. So those are the facts and data this morning on this very interesting area. Let me offer you my analysis and opinion. From my view, it's unlikely that Venezuela's president, Maduro, makes a big move here. And that's because, well, three reasons. First, his country is broke. Second, his military is a shell of what it used to be. And third, he's got these foreign powers breathing down his neck, both the United States and Brazil. So I suspect that Venezuela will blink. But the wild card here remains China. As we discussed over a week ago, Guyana has so much oil in this area, and the region is very interesting for the Chinese to possibly put a base in. So that could be very tempting for President Xi. But I doubt he would want to anger his fellow leftists that run Brazil, Mr. Lula in particular. So bottom line, let's see what the weekend and next week brings, and whether it frankly puts our airmen and our Navy at risk. I'll keep you posted. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, thank you. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, know that I appreciate you all so very much. We'll be right back. My friends, for the past few months, you have heard me talk about Jace Medical. It's the company that provides you medication for emergency use like antibiotics. Also, they get you backup prescriptions for things like cholesterol, diabetes, and blood pressure. And here's why I love Jace Medical so much. If you are a farming or a ranching family or you live in the back 40, it is pretty tough to get a hold of a doctor, to travel to the appointment, get the prescription, you fill it, and so forth. But with Jace Medical, all you have to do is fill out a simple online form and in some cases have a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. And then you get the medication right in the mail. You also get ongoing care from Jace Physicians about any treatment-related questions, which is fantastic. In other words, folks, you get peace of mind, you get convenience, and you get an emergency supply of medicines no matter where you are. And that is great for a lot of people, rural families, folks who are traveling, or those of us who might be a little bit anxious these days about our unpredictable world, and you might prefer to have an emergency supply of medicines on hand. And that's kind of smart. So do what I've done. Go to jacemedical.com. 
That's J-A-S-E, medical.com. Enter that promo code right, W-R-I-G-H-T is the spelling. And when you do, you will get a right report discount. Again, my friends, go to jacemedical.com, promo code right, and get the supply of medicines you need, folks, shipped straight to your door. Welcome back to the right report. Let's continue with our global trip around the world this morning with this next news from Ukraine. Health authorities there are finding an alarming rise in drug-resistant germs throughout the country, especially in Ukrainian hospitals. It's an issue that I first raised for you all the way back on June 30th. To refresh our memories, Swedish researchers at the time were asked by Ukrainian officials to investigate what they called to be a a shocking rise in antibiotic-resistant bacteria. They were finding it in multiple Ukrainian hospitals. Well, initial lab results left those Swedish researchers pretty shocked. They described the magnitude of the cases and the types of bacteria involved as, quote, surpassing anything we have seen before, end quote. And that is why in June, these folks warned us that left unaddressed, these bacteria would begin to make even healthy people deathly sick, not just those with compromised immune systems in hospitals. And that takes us to our update. The CDC issued a report yesterday saying that this issue has now become, quote, an urgent crisis, end quote, and that the bacteria have, in fact, spread into other areas throughout Europe, especially and namely Germany. Scientists noted that in June, 10% of bacterial samples were resistant to last resort antibiotics, but now that number is at 60%. The CDC blames the worsening situation on increasing traumatic war injuries and hospitals with limited or strained ability to properly clean their facilities. As I just noted, Germany appears to be the most impacted by the spread of these aggressive bacteria, and that is because, the CDC says, the country has allowed in tens of thousands of refugees, certainly from Ukraine, but also asylum seekers from other parts of the world who all have poor medical care. So those are the facts and data coming to us from Ukraine on this, frankly, alarming issue, I think. Just one piece of analysis and opinion. So all sides of this war in Ukraine have acknowledged both publicly and privately that it will end eventually and with a negotiated settlement. In other words, neither side is going to win an all-out war. So if that's true, and we are headed towards peace eventually and a negotiated settlement, I would say that the time to press for that is right now. And speaking of this region, our next update of the morning takes us to Russia. Russian President Vladimir Putin was greeted warmly this week by multiple Arab nations and the leadership of Iran. Putin traveled to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates first. In fact, on Wednesday, the Russian leader was embraced on the tarmac by Emirati leader Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed al Nayyan. Military jets from both countries flew overhead in celebration, streaming the colors of the two nations' flags. And at that point, Putin then got in his limousine and was escorted by camels and soldiers on horseback, which was videoed and broadcast throughout the world. Putin and Mr. al Nayan discussed oil, the war in Israel, and Ukraine. At that point, Putin left and he traveled to Saudi Arabia, where he met with a de facto ruler of that country named Mohammed bin Salman, or MBS. Mr. Salman showered Putin with praise, saying that the Russian president had, quote, lit up Riyadh with his presence, end quote. Russian state media later described their physical embrace as a, quote, traditional bro handshake, end quote. 
For what it's worth, the Saudis and the Russian leader discussed oil and how to best coordinate their production of various petroleum products to control global prices. Finally, Mr. Putin traveled home, where he then hosted two more Middle Eastern leaders, the first being Oman's crown prince and then Iran's president, Ibrahim Raisi. I should note that Mr. Putin's travels went completely undisturbed, despite the fact that there is a warrant for his arrest from the Western-backed International Criminal Court. He is, of course, a, a wanted man over his decision to invade the country of Ukraine. But apparently that did not matter to the folks in the Middle East. So those are the latest facts and data on how the world is responding to the calls, frankly, to isolate Vladimir Putin all over his war in Ukraine. Let me now offer you my analysis and opinion of what to make of all this. So the bottom line, folks, is this. The world is changing and neither the United States nor Europe are at the center of that world anymore. In other words, the the world that we all grew up in is now gone. Instead, we have a much more uncertain set of global actors with former Arab partners now growing quite close to folks that we can fairly call our challengers in Russia and especially China. So if you're wondering why is that happening? Well, as I've offered to you, leadership really matters. And the world thinks that we don't have much of it. They think that we are weak, that we are in decline. They highlight our collapsed borders. Uh, We've got busted budgets, they say. They say our our cities are dirty, crime-ridden. And they highlight the fact that our militaries have failed in places like Iraq and Afghanistan and now in Ukraine. So that's how the world views us. And here's what that means. You and I are going to have to get used to fighting a lot harder, a lot smarter, and with new leadership, assuming that we would like to keep this nation safe in what is going to be a very dangerous era. More to come. Next, a critical and separate update for you out of the Middle East, specifically regarding the war in the Gaza Strip. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that chaos and anarchy are starting to build throughout the north and the south of the Gaza Strip, with Hamas authorities losing control. Public order is collapsing, most especially in the south, where Israel has increased its operations over the past four or five days. And that has left very little food and water for the remaining civilians in cities like Khan Yunus. And that's leading to substantial increases in looting and crime, with each hour in those areas getting worse. To the point, hungry crowds broke into a United Nations warehouse on Wednesday and stole all of the remaining supplies. The organization had nothing to pass out to hungry civilians as of yesterday afternoon. The UN also said that while they are able to deliver some aid to the border city of Rafah, that is largely it. They can't move very far north due to Israeli military restrictions. As ever, observers are wondering how much longer these military operations will continue and how much more civilians can endure before total anarchy sets in. Israeli officials say that that's really up to Hamas. They could release all the hostages and negotiate for their exit to Qatar or another country like Turkey. But in the meantime, the Israelis say that, well, they are going to continue to destroy especially the tunnel networks of Hamas, and that will take months. So those are the latest facts and data out of the war in the Middle East, ladies and gentlemen. Let me now offer my analysis and opinion. This news, I think, helps explain why Egypt is building that bigger wall, as I shared with you yesterday. Simply put, the war in Gaza is likely to get far worse before it gets better. Now, it's possible that the Palestinians might rise up against Hamas and kill some of those folks on their own. And it's also possible that Hamas's 20,000 fighters or so simply give up. And we're actually starting to see some early reports that that might happen 
Dozens to hundreds of terrorists are starting to surrender to Israeli forces, popping out of tunnel networks that are being blown up or flooded with seawater. But the most pressing concern for you this morning is, well, the situation in the Gaza Strip, as it gets worse, we should anticipate some more attacks from those Iranian proxy groups on U.S. personnel and naval assets in the region, especially in the Red Sea. To that point, the USS Mason, they were fired upon on Wednesday, targeted by suicide drones. As I explained to you earlier this week, a Pentagon spokesman is not going to acknowledge that. Indeed, they were careful to say that the drones could have been flying over or around the USS Mason. It is impossible to say or know for sure. In other words, my friends, I'm sorry to say that there is no good news this morning coming out of Israel or really the Middle East. But nevertheless, Let's take our final break of the morning. And when we come back, we've got a little bit of news from the U.S. heartland, but more importantly, some great news from the state of Wyoming. We'll be right back. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome back to The Right Report to our global roundup of news. And we wrap up today with two updates from two important regions of the United States. First, we go to the Midwest, where farmers there are facing a very old enemy, and it is drought. Dry conditions have set in in the states including Iowa, Missouri, Indiana, Illinois, and especially Mississippi and Louisiana. And that is leading to plunging levels of the mighty Mississippi River. And here's why that is so bad, starting with something that you might not know. About 60% of America's grain exports travel down the Mississippi River. But that's not all. This river system also transports lots of other goods, from petroleum products and fertilizers to construction materials like cement, iron, and steel. In other words, America's supply chain runs on the Mississippi. Otherwise, these goods have to be transported via more expensive routes on roads and railways. In fact, it's about five times more expensive, generally speaking, than shipping stuff on the Mississippi. For what it's worth, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, they are doing their absolute level best to dredge the Mississippi to allow barge traffic to continue. In fact, the Corps said they are working 24 hours, seven days a week. But in the meantime, barges are sailing at about half empty for now to keep boats a little bit lighter, keep them higher in the water to avoid the riverbed. In short, my friends, let's pray for rain and snow. Although, careful what you pray for. Forecasts are calling for a major set of storms to hit this region starting later today and throughout the weekend. Apparently, a lot of thunder, rain, and even some snow. And that takes us to the eighth and final stop of our global tour this morning. We are off to the great state of Wyoming. Yes, we are headed back to the Cowboy State this morning for some good news to a brief that I gave you all the way back on November 14th. 
to refresh our memories, it has to do with an old coal mine outside of the city of Sheridan, Wyoming. It was purchased over 10 years ago by a retired banker who thought that he could squeeze a little bit more production out of that old mine and gal for something called metallurgical coal that's used in steelmaking. So he paid $2 million for that mine back in the day with hopes to turn a profit eventually. In the last year, though, he got a wonderful surprise. The U.S. government told him that, well, their fancy AI-infused computer programs had determined that there was a major deposit of something called rare earth metals or elements outside of Sheridan, Wyoming, at his mine, actually. And the value of all those elements was probably around $37 billion dollars. Not bad for the initial investment of $2 million. And while that was great news for the retired banker, it was even better news for America. And that's because rare earths are the critical ingredient, as it were, to make things like specialized magnets, aircraft engines, x-ray machines, and even televisions. Unfortunately, though, China currently accounts for about 60% of the mines for rare earths. Plus, they control about 90% of the refining. But with this new prospective mine in Wyoming, we could break their stranglehold. And that was the good news that I shared with you about three weeks ago. But what wasn't clear three weeks ago was exactly which rare earth elements were in major concentrations at that mine. And that matters. For folks unaware, there are 17 of these rare elements, and some are a bit more important than others. The two most critical ones, I think, are germanium and gallium, with the Pentagon very much needing both of those, but especially the gallium. And that is what takes us to the great news of this morning. That retired banker, CEO Randall Atkins, confirmed to Bloomberg News this week that his mine includes two rare earths that we very much need, both the gallium and the germanium. As Mr. Atkins humbly noted about his mine, quote, it does contain a rather valuable basket of elements, end quote. Indeed, it does. And once fully operational, it'll be the first new rare earth mine that we have had on American soil since the year 1952. And that is very good news indeed. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. Just one final reflection to leave you with. Yesterday was the anniversary of the December 7th attacks on Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Now, there aren't a lot of folks left from that era, but if you know someone, please Give them my profound thanks. I will never forget their sacrifice. We owe them more than words can ever say. As always, my friends, I will see you on Monday, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John. Chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.